0: Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. We're just in a small portion of things in history that happened as the new church began and the Holy Spirit came and persecution overcome the church and it was spread out through all kind of different stories we're going to hear all the way until, until Paul's over in Rome just to waiting to go on trial for one reason, to tell them that Jesus is Lord. So we, that, we get to see just a, a small clip, it, but we're still living in that time because Jesus has not came back yet. And that's important for us to understand because it's really easy for me now to understand in my life that God is still God and he's still working and he's still in the business of restoring broken relationships from him. Because if that wasn't his purpose, I would hang up my hat and just go do something else. I think we could all find a way. It's a pretty sunny day here. We could find a fish to go yank on, couldn't we, Carlton? We could go find something else to do other than sit in a a little shotgun church building and talk about this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, you know that there's something inside of you that's telling you that there's more to the story. The Bible never changes, but God lives out a story in each and every one of us. So just to kind of... Build you up to the Act 4:23:31 31. Over in chapter three, it all kind of started off when Peter healed this crippled beggar. Well God healed him, but Peter and John was on their way to the temple and there was a gate beautiful, a colonnade. And this man that was, was lame had been brought there and sat down for years and he would beg for the people going into the temple. And as Peter and John walked by, this man cried out to them. And Peter did something that probably astounded not only the man that was begging, but probably the people that were around him. Because he turns around and he does something really, really dramatic. He says, hey, look at me. Look at me. I don't have gold or silver to give you, but I do have what I do have I'll give you. And it's Jesus of Nazareth. And with saying that, he reached down to the man and he said, Give me your hand. He said, Get up and walk. Be healed by Jesus. In Jesus' name. The man has enough faith to reach up at just this right timing in his life. And and lo and behold, he stands up. And and at that moment, by God alone, this man has received healing. He starts to dance and rejoice and just hoot and holler. And Peter and John grab hold of him and they start walking him to the temple, which lets a crowd of people start to question what's going on. And as that's happening, it gives Peter the opportunity to teach. Peter says, hey, we didn't do anything, but the one that you killed did it. Jesus. He is the only reason this man walks today. And his name is Jesus. He goes on to tell him, you killed him out of ignorance. But now you know the truth. That Jesus is the Messiah. He takes him back to the Old Testament ancient prophets and says, it says this in the scriptures. It says that one will come. That will bring forth healing. And you couldn't see it. And not only the Jews, but the Gentiles Amen. and all of the people together came together and crucified this man that just made this healing happen. Because you couldn't kill him for good, he rose again. So that leads into a, even a bigger issue because y'all, we know stuff runs downhill, right? Now we're going to jump into the religious leaders and all of the people who got a little bit of clout. And they got, Peter and John got taken before the council. Now, the council has a problem here. They do not want this man, these two men, doing anything in the name of Jesus. But at the same time, they see that there's a lot of people that are believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Why do I know that? Because if you read the scriptures, it started at 120. We talked about last week that it ended up being 3,120. And if you go after Peter talks about this time, it says now it's 5,000 men. So there's well over 5,000 people now that are under this new way, the following of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And and these men (laughs) said, we don't want them. Teaching in the name of Jesus. We don't want them healing in the name of Jesus. We don't want them speaking in the name of Jesus. But if we kill them or if we persecute them to a great extent, there's going to be a riot because these people out here now believe this. So they're kind of in a, another quandary. So they end up letting Peter and John go as a result of them wondering what would happen if they locked them up. Those people were gonna tear that area upside down. They were gonna gonna go kind of redneck on it. I put that in there, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from either. It ain't in my note. Peter and John are freed. We gotta stop here because this is messing with my head. Because it's easy to just sit here and talk about this and we're like, oh, that's a cool story. Could you imagine this being you? from the, the moment that you've seen this lame man jump up and start dancing around and you're holding on to him and you're walking to church with him and then all of a sudden these people start to question all this stuff and you get to tell them it was Jesus and people come to the faith, of oh man, how do I get that healing? How do I get to be restored? And the crowds are growing and crowds. Then all of a sudden you're taken to this place where you know it could mean your death because they had the power to kill you and you're sitting in front of them and you're going, oh my goodness, how many times did their courage wave? You know, what was going through their head? That comes. think about that. These were men, but they were full of the Spirit of God. And now they release them, and what do they do? And that's where our story kind of picks up in Acts 4 23 31 through 31. And we're going to read that together, and then we'll break it down, and then we'll have some application. Can I pray? Let's let the Spirit of God go off on us today. Y'all want to? Who's, who's ready to be peace, be still, and just let Jesus have his way on our blank hearts today? Amen. Father God, Lord, we ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would wash us clean. Take all of our prejudices away from us. Take every one of the things that we think know away from us. Right now, God, Lord, let it be you and only you. Speak to your people through this, we may focus more intently and deeply on you so that more people who do not know you may see you through us. We pray all of this in your precious son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Four twenty-three 23 through 31, and it says right here like this. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with great boldness. Amen? Amen? That's a good word. Verse 23 says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. That's a pretty easy piece of scripture to teach because if I have a bunch of friends over here hanging out with the same agenda and the enemy has me, as soon as you let go of me, I'm going back to my friends. And that's what they did. They said, hey, there's some common thoughts where we're going. So they went back and they shared everything that, that was going on with those believers but that's important because without communicating what was happening in their lives, the next verse would not have happened. It says, when they heard the report, so when all these believers heard this report, listen to what happens. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. They became unified together. They said, we are one. We are lifting our voices to God. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. They were remembering where they came from, but they also knew where they were going. They knew still who was God. Your servants saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth were prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. What had happened to their friends? And as the report came back to them, set forth this movement inside of their hearts to go unified together to cry out to God together. And that's important for us to know as well. Because sometimes we will not be in the ultimate battle or fight. But we can go off of the testimony of what God is doing in someone else's life. That's why we share praise and prayer with one another. Because it unites the body to cry out to God. Verse 27. It says, in fact... That has happened here in the very city for Herod, Antipas, Pontius, Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. See, these men and women knew who were against God, and they understood where the battle was at, but they were coming to the realization that it wasn't their battle to fight. They knew that only God could fight these things. So many times we try to fight a battle that's made for God. We try to fight fights with physical techniques instead of fighting fights on our knees. These men and women understood that God and God alone see, God had put all of this stuff into place for Jesus to be killed. That's pretty heavy. So they knew that God and God alone could take care of everything that they were now facing. Verse 28 says, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. What they're saying is, all of this stuff happened because of you, God let it happen. They were acknowledging that God and God alone was determining everything. Verse 29, and now, oh Lord, hear their threats. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. You—you—you will see right there that they're not saying, "Oh God, give me the strength to smite them, to step on their head, to take them out. That I hate them. I wish they were dead." God, give me the power to stand over my enemy and lord it over them. He said, "No, give us God." power to preach your word, your hope your salvation to our enemies we can't miss that because if we miss that it's going to become us and them and then we will become self-righteous while we watch the rest of the world go down the tubes to hell and that's not what God created us for So they're asking for God to give them boldness in preaching the word and nothing else. Because in the grand scheme of things, nothing else matters. When you sit before God, it ain't going to matter how much money you had, how little money you had, how big or little your house was, how many mistakes you made, how many victories you'd had. When you stand before God, there's going to be one thing that he's going to look. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is all based on you just bringing him glory by sharing the good news of the gospel to the lost world. That's what our God is all about. Verse 30 and 31, it says, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Do you notice that when they cried out to God, they were saying, God, you do the work. You do the miracles. You do the restoring. You do the transformation. And then the Holy Spirit came over this body of believers, and the church continued to prosper, and God got all the glory. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. See, the Holy Spirit gave the followers of Jesus' great boldness. Everything that happens for God on this earth today has to be done through Jesus Christ. I'll repeat that again. Everything that happens in us believers, I'm not talking about the the people who are not of the family of God, but everything that happens for us as confessing believers of Jesus Christ has to happen through Jesus Christ. If we are doing anything apart from Jesus We are not doing the work of the Lord. Don't take it up with me. Just take it up with his word. I'm just a communicator. But before asking God for courage, we have to first determine what our heart wants to be courageous for. These men and women were praying for courage. They were praying for boldness. But before we start praying to God for something like that, We got to first do a self check on our heart. Took me to a piece of scripture where Jesus was doing some teaching over in the book of Mark. And they were talking about the things that you can eat and you couldn't eat on the Sabbath. Jesus took them all out there in a deep place. In Mark 7 21 and 23, it says, From within, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They're what make you. That's what defiles you. So if we're praying prayers to this God, our Father, the creator of the universe, but we're doing it with a heart of agendas and it's not lined up with him, then we're probably building a house of cards or something that's not going to stand because God can't honor and bless what's not from him. It's all, again, it's all about the heart. We talk about it just about every Sunday. It's the heart issue. It seems to always go back to the heart. So God wants us, church, to be totally dependent on Him. And God wants us, church, to be totally in line with Him. My friend Pat and I were even having a talk a few weeks ago. And we just were talking about how many distractions are in this world. How hard is it in North America to be a follower of Jesus when everything you walk walking past is something to take your eyes off of Jesus? Because Jesus is still moving. God never stops his hand from moving But we're following God. We're saying we're a follower of Jesus. And it's like, oh, man, look at that. That's nice. I'd like to have one of those. Honey, can I have one of those? It's on sale. I'm just kidding. Man, that's the coolest thing. I think I like boys and their toys. I'm not trying to beat up on you guys if you got 15 four-wheelers. Maybe I'm just jealous, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Boys in their toys. We can just really get out there. I've had them. I've had, man, I'm telling you, there's distractions all over this world. There's there's movies, there's television, there's binge watching. watching. There's all of the different things that we label this is my ministry. And at the same time, we're never sharing the gospel with any lost people as we do it. So we got to check our hearts we got to watch out for the distractions. The world is full of distractions. How can we get ourselves to a place where we attain courage that leads us to sharing Jesus Christ with unimaginable boldness? And here's a few steps. Number one, we must not forget God's promises. Here are a few. If I were to list out God's promises for us today, we would be here for a very long time. And I know y'all don't want that. So I just took a few of them that was really cool. Jesus' has promised rest. You know, Jesus promised rest. Matthew 11, 28, and 30. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus promised abundant life to those who follow him. John 10, 10. Following Jesus brings us more spiritual fulfillment than we could have anticipated. We leave boring behind. Did you hear what I just said? As a follower of Jesus, you get to leave boring behind. Your life is no longer vanilla. I'm talking about when you are a follower of Jesus, you get the vanilla, but then you get the walnuts, you get the cherries, you get the syrup, you get everything on something that makes your life exciting. I don't know that what that is. You might not like walnuts, but I promise you this. God knows what your likes are, and your life will no longer be boring if you follow Jesus. Jesus promised eternal life to those who trust him, John 14. Excuse me, 414. The good shepherd also promised to hold us securely. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 28. All these beautiful scriptures where God's promises is speaking to us. Jesus promised his disciples power from on high. Acts 1, 8. In this power, they turned the world upside down. How do you know that, Paul? I'm glad you have. Acts 17, 6. It talks about, and they turned the world upside down. And here's the most beautiful promise that brings me peace. Peace be still. I can be peace be still. Whether one person shows up or 10,000 on Sunday morning. And this is the scripture that gives it to me. Jesus promised that he will return for us. John 14, 2 and 3. For then on we will be with him always. That's some of the promises that gives us the ability to go and ask for this courage, to search our hearts. Number two is that we shouldn't waver from the truth. Very, very simply put, that the gospel is the gospel and Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no other way to the Father other than Jesus. And if anyone is trying to tell you that there is, they have been poorly led or confused by dark demonic forces. You briefly speak to them in love and say that is not true. And if they're wanting to have long debates about it, you dust your feet from them and you pray for them and you turn and walk away. We are not God nor are we the Holy Spirit and we cannot continue our lives arguing over what is right and what is wrong. We know the truth and we cannot waver from it. I really say that if you're hearing me on audio to our young men and women who are in campuses on collegiate places all around this nation. Your challenges as a Christian will be challenged. Make sure you look into the scriptures with everything that's coming at you on campuses, please. We can't make compromises. That means that, that I can't take out the lines that I don't want because that's not where my life's at. We have to understand there's grace and, and we'll never, ever, ever live up to every one of the, the callings and the commandments and, and, and the sanctification that God has until Jesus comes back. But that means that we, we're supposed to try. That we're attempting to walk towards God. We're following Jesus. It don't mean we're following the world and calling ourselves a follower of Jesus. It doesn't work like that. We can't make compromises. God's word is God's word. And his word is there for us to have life more abundantly and full. And it's for our well-being. Number three, we push towards total surrender. Less of us means more of God. Less of the world, less of the world's way means more of God. It's a simple procedure that if I want more of the world, I'm probably going to sacrifice some of my walk with God. My quiet time, my prayer time, my meditation on what God has for me, on where he wants me, on what he's asking me to do. Because I am really excited about becoming maybe a fishing guide. And this is something that God, that you've called me to, I'm not trying to put down anything that God tells us to do. But I, what I am saying is that you should seek counsel from godly men and women through the word and through the Holy Spirit before you go and do something that will alter your entire life. And if these things don't line up, you probably should run. But less of us means more of God and less of the world's ways mean more of God. And here's the cool thing about that. More of God means more boldness. When you know what you know and you know who has sealed you and you know who you are, you can speak very boldly. You don't have to be well educated. You don't have to speak the clearest sentences. But if you know that you are a child of God and you know that he called you to do something, you stand up and you do it with every bit of your might. You say, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care who follows me because I'm not the one for them to be following. I am gonna do what God called me to do. And when you can get to that point in life, when I can get to that point in life, we can see miraculous things happen. We can understand the courage that only God can give in prayer through the Holy Spirit. So what does God-given courage look like? Again, let me tell you really quickly. The courage that only God can give differs from what we would think courage would look like in this world. Isn't it funny how God's stuff is always totally different than what the world teaches? Here's some courage that God gives. If you have the courage that only God gives, you will not waver from the word. How hard is it to live a life when you're having to do that in today's time? friends leaving friends, family members leaving family members, because you have to stay to your convictions. To have the courage that only God can give, we will surrender our lives when everything around us is saying to fight for what is ours. Have the courage to surrender everything that you have when God is telling you to give it all away. The rich young ruler, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Jesus starts out, well, what are you doing? Well, I followed all those commandments. He said, good, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. Man dropped his head and started, walked away. God said, you can't be a lover of money and a lover of me. To have the courage that God gives, we're able to let go of the things in life that give us security. I don't know what that is for you all, but God's been working with me this week on what it is for me. We're determined to be a light no matter how dark it gets. That's only through God-given courage. We will continue to share the gospel even if it costs us our lives. I've been fortunate enough to be in parts of the world where it costs people their lives. I would really ask that you start praying about going to a place in this world where the gospel isn't given out on a silver platter. Or you have to hide in a cave or in a dark room. Or a Bible may be illegal or get you locked up. It will give you a different perspective on what it means to follow Jesus. Side note. Before we're dead or for our children, before our children are dead, it may be that way here in this nation. And it's all part of God's plan. Stop fighting to make something change that God wants to happen because he brings his people to him through pain. So we do all these things boldly with humility and love. To have the courage of God is to serve your enemy, is to to love someone who doesn't look like you, is to stand and, and to show grace where you just don't feel like you could show grace. And then the whole caveat to it is that you have to do it with humility and love. Sometimes I can do these things, but I can't do them with humility and love. It's kind of like the person wanted to get out in traffic cutting two, two lanes the other day, Barbara, and I'm like, come on, come on. You know, I was, I was going to let her do it, but I was not happy about letting her do it because she was being a dummy. And I'm like, you're up in my time. I got to get down here and do this. And her, my facial expression was like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what the scriptures teaches. Like, I know that you're slow, and just close your eyes and say, "Jesus, you told me to let her out. I'm just gonna hold up ten thousand cards until she decides to stop texting and go." <laughs> I can see y'all been there too. The facial expressions, how we communicate the love of Christ or not, with our face. So, church, are we willing to forfeit our comfort, our lifestyle, our security for the sake of the gospel? Don't say you will if you're not even willing to share the gospel. That's your first baby step. It's a personal question, and it's a heart issue. And it has to start with God working in each and every one of our hearts individually. We're fixing to enter into a time of communion here. Before we enter into the communion, I would ask that we would recognize the extreme price that was paid for each and every one of us to sit here today. It wasn't a little teeny price. It was the God of the universe coming down in the flesh, in the carnate, Jesus, and living a sinless life And loving a broken people. Why did it? The same people that would send him to the cross. So that he would give over his flesh. His blood. And even his spirit. Would be out of the presence of the father for a brief time. We cannot even fathom the price that was paid. For us to be able to sit here and have eternity with the father. And we so down sell it and downplay it so many times that we jump on our toys and we're just thankful that we're not the ones in hell. Search your hearts today before you take part in communion. Don't let this be just another box that gets checked. Let the Spirit of God put inside of you this boldness to go and live radically differently than this world tries to hypnotize us back into action get read up on corinthians 11 and when it talks about the lord's supper when jesus talks about this is my flesh and this wine is my blood this bread is my and he broke it and ripped it because that was telling the picture of what was going to happen to him and and lastly as we worship this song Pray and ask God to get rid of all the obstacles that is restricting you from receiving the kind of courage that only comes from God the Holy Spirit. There's blind spots in every one of our lives. Only God can open the eyes of our heart up. Spend this time in worshiping him to let him open up the eyes of your heart. Do not let it be a guilt trip or, or something. Let the word just be the word. And let the Spirit of God, through his love, transform you into this man or woman or child that wants to live radically for this Jesus. That we follow him every day as a family, united together in prayer. That's what they did when Peter and John came back. They they all together cried out to God to say, will you give us courage? Will you give us courage? that's my prayer for us as a church will god you give us courage to live differently to humble ourselves in love and sacrifice for the father let us pray god we thank you lord as we take place in communion today lord would we remember the ultimate price father that you gave over your son jesus to do so that we may have relationship with you father god and, Lord God, we just ask that you would take this supper here that you're, you're, you're giving us now. And would you bless it, Lord? Would the Holy Spirit just be all over it so that as we take it, that it breaks us down of everything that's from the world to let us just lie in your arms, to know that you're our daddy and that you want what is best for us, Father. Lord God, let us not take this lightly. Open up our hearts. And we pray all of this in your precious Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.